0: How we can make good choices. Now, I know as we sit out there and as I sit here, we all like to think that we know how to make good decisions. But how many of you guys have ever made a bad decision before? Yeah, several of us, if not all of us, have made bad decisions before. I know I've made several, um, but that's usually when I listen to my wife. Just kidding, that was a joke. Um, I know I've made bad decisions before in my life. And you know what we've realized? we realize realized this at Urban that really our life is just an accumulation of all the choices we've made. Some good, some bad, and our life is an accumulation of those. But we believe that if we live according to the Word of God, that we can make better choices in our life. And so we started this series out, and I want to give you the definition of the word choice. The word choice means this. It means an act or instance of choosing. The right, the power, or opportunity to choose. Very basic. In other words, you possess the greatest power given to mankind, and that is the ability to choose what you're going to do. And tonight, you've made choices. You made a choice to come here tonight. You're going to make a choice to do something afterwards. You know, this morning, you made a choice of whether I'm going to get up out of bed or I'm going to sleep in. And because we have church at night, I got to sleep in. Some of you, you might go to church somewhere else in the morning. And awesome. Praise God. You're amazing. Me, I slept in this morning. And, uh, and so you know I got to not set the alarm clock, and, and if it did go off, you just press the snooze button. But we all get to make choices in life, and really our life is built on those series of choices. So last week we began to talk about choice, and we talked about how we can make good choices. And, and we, we decided this at Urban, that you can make good choices based on these following four things, that if you involve God... Now, I don't know where you're at with God tonight or where your relationship is or where you're at with that. But we believe that if we involve God in our decisions and in our choices, our choices go a little bit better. And we talked about that, that we should actually pray about them. We we should actually listen to what God says about making choices. And we also talked about that we should involve others. The Bible says in Proverbs that in the uh, multitude of counsel, there's safety. In other words, we ought to have people in our life that we can look to, that we can talk with, and they can give us counsel. And and they can say, yeah, that's a good idea or that's a bad idea. You know, some of those people might be mom and dads. They might be pastors. They might be close friends. It's not going to be everybody, but people that you trust. And you have those people in your life. Now, hopefully they're going the same direction as you. Let me just tell you this. If you are going after God and you're a Christ follower, okay, you should probably get other Christ followers in your life that you're getting wisdom from. Okay, Uh, the last thing you want to do is to go get marriage counseling from a divorced guy. Are you with me? Okay, you you don't want to go there. Okay, Uh, if you're struggling with anger, you don't want to go to the angriest guy you know and get counseling on your anger issue. Okay, you want to go with people that are that have been on the other side of that. Okay, and so you can find that in the multitude of counselors, and and as you have those in your life. And then we talked about this: involve yourself. Okay. Involve yourself in the decision. It's amazing to me, especially at a younger age or maybe even to college, but even in, in, into parenthood. OK, now, I have a six year old and a four year old in my grandmother on uh, their grandmother on my side and their grandmother on my wife's side. They have plenty of ideas of how to raise children. OK, now, do I listen to them? Yes, I get advice. But at the end of the day, they're still my children. And I'm going to listen to what I feel is best for my children. OK, maybe you don't have children. OK, there's things in your life that if everybody's saying, oh, you should do it, marry the person. And you're like, I don't even like the person. <laughs> Don't marry them, okay? All right. If you absolutely hate them, but everybody else thinks you should, you know, get together, you'd make a cute couple. You know, ever heard that one before? It's like, yeah, we'd make a cute couple, but I want to kill them. You know, um, involve yourself in the decision, okay? Because if not, you're going to end up in a divorce probably, okay? Uh, because you're the one marrying them; they're not, <laughs> okay? And so, involve yourself in those decisions. And then, lastly, involve persistence, okay? Nothing good that happens, and even anything bad that happens, it doesn't happen just with one decision. It's a series of choices and a series of decisions. As those accumulate, then you get the result of it. And so we have to involve persistence. Well, tonight I want to talk to you about choice, but I want to talk to you about overcoming the fear involved in making choices. So I want you to look at a couple of scriptures tonight. I want you to look at Joel chapter 3, verse 14. And this is uh, the, the scripture that we platformed this series off of. And it says this in Joel three fourteen: It says, multitudes, multitudes. In other words, there's a whole lot of people. A whole lot of people in the valley of decision for the day of the Lord is near in the valley of decision. Now, this is the Bible painting this picture and the, the picture it's painting is there's a lot of people in that valley and there's really one thing that's on their mind and it's making a choice. OK, now we know the greatest choice that you could ever make, according to Joshua chapter twenty-four, fifteen, is to choose today whom you're going to serve. But after you've chosen whom you're going to serve, whether it be God or, or whether it be the world, after you've decided that, now you've got to be, uh, begin to make decisions based on that. And so make the greatest choice you'll ever make. Follow Jesus Christ. But now, as you're building your life and as you're going after your dream, you've got to begin to involve God in that decision process. Multitudes, multitudes in the valley of decision. Now, I'd like to tell you this, that once you get out of that valley, once you're once you've made a choice and you've climbed your way out, I'd like to tell you that you'll never be in the valley again. But if you lived enough life, you realize that that just ain't true. You're going to end up in that valley once, twice, 300 more times. You're going to end up in that valley, but you've learned something the previous time in the valley. I've learned that as I make good choices, I can get out of that valley. Are you with me tonight? Well, I want to turn tonight to Mark chapter 5, and I want to read a story about a woman who was in a valley. And she was in that place of making choices and making decisions. And I want to look at her life, and I want to begin to pull some things out of this passage of Scripture that we can apply to our life tonight to overcome the fear that's involved. Because we understand, based on last week, that there are several reasons why we make bad decisions or why we don't make decisions at all. First one is because of fear. Second one is because of desire, which we're going to talk about next week. And the third one was because we don't know how to make good choices, and we talked about that last week. Mark chapter 5. Starting in verse 21 and it says this and when Jesus had crossed again in the boat to the other side, a great crowd gathered to him and he was beside the sea. Then came one of the rulers of the synagogue, Jairus by name and seeing him, he fell at his feet and implored him earnestly saying, my little daughter is at the point of death. Come and lay your hands on her so that she may be made well and live. Verse 24. And he went with him and a great crowd followed him and thronged him. And she felt in her body that she was healed of her disease. And Jesus, perceiving in himself that power had gone out from him, immediately turned to the crowd and said, Who touched my garments? And his disciples said to him, You see the crowd pressing around you. And yet you say, Who touched me? And he looked around to see who had done this. But the woman, knowing what had happened to her, came in fear and trembling and fell down before him. And told him the whole truth. And he said to her, daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace and be healed of your disease. Let's pray. God, we thank you for your word tonight. Lord, I pray that in the next few moments that we have together, God, that you would speak to each and every one of us. Lord, we're not here tonight out of accident. But God, we believe that we're here tonight out of design for you have something for us. God, you have a relationship here for us. God, you have a, a word of wisdom here for us tonight. So, Lord, we, take, we pray that we take hold of that and ultimately lay hold of that for which you, Christ Jesus, have laid hold of us. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Amen. You've got to understand this when it comes to choices. You are not labeled by what you say. You're, you're not labeled. The people don't label you because you say you're going to do something. People label you because of the choices you make and because you did do something. The Bible even says this. The Bible says and he's talking about two servants. He said he said there's a servant that will say, yes, I'm going to do it. And he doesn't do it. And then there's another servant that says, I'm not going to do it. But yet he does it. And the Bible says that the last one is to be honored. Not because of what they said, but because of what they did. They made a conscious choice. I'm going to do this. They did it. You and I are labeled by those choices. Not, 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 not because we said something. We're not labeled as Christians because we say we're Christians. Because I know a lot of people that say they know Jesus Christ, but as you hang out with them long enough, you realize, my God, they're the devil. <laughs> you know, <laughs> just think of your relatives. No, just kidding. And, and so you, you get around those people and they say, yeah, I love Jesus. I know Jesus. But then you hang out with them and, and, and you realize, wow, their lifestyle is no different than the average person. And so you're not labeled by what you say. You're labeled by the choices you make and what you do. Listen to this. John invited his mother over for dinner during the meal. His mother couldn't help noticing how attractive and shapely the housekeeper was. Over the course of the evening, she started to wonder if there was more between John and the housekeeper than met the eye. Reading his mom's thoughts, John volunteered. I know what you must be thinking, but I assure you, my relationship with my housekeeper is purely professional. About a week later, the housekeeper came to John and said, ever since your mother came to dinner, I've been unable to find the beautiful silver gravy spoon. You don't suppose she took it, do you? John said, well, I I doubt it, but I'll write her a letter just to see. So he sat down and wrote, dear mother, I'm not saying you did take the gravy spoon from my house. And I'm not saying you did not take the gravy spoon from my house. But the fact remains that one has been missing ever since you were here for dinner. Several days later, John received a letter back from his mother. Dear son. I'm not saying that you do sleep with your housekeeper, and I'm not saying that you don't sleep with your housekeeper. But the fact remains that if you were sleeping in your own bed, you would have found the gravy spoon by now. Love, Mom. Don't try to trick Mom. It won't work. You don't get labeled by what you say. You get labeled by the choices you make and as you follow through on those on those choices. Are you with me tonight? Hmm. Talk about fear. Fear will keep you in the valley. Fear of making a decision, fear of making a choice will keep you in in a valley and it'll keep you uncomfortable because there's nothing more uncomfortable than than being in that valley season because you can't see over the valley. So you don't know what is on the other side. It it causes dysfunction. It causes you to be uncomfortable. And and there's many reasons for that. A lot of us have fear of of change and we don't want to change. Anybody out there like that? Change. I mean, here's the reality of changing. Okay. Uh, Nobody likes change. Everybody likes consistency. One thing I've learned, even inconsistent people like to be consistently inconsistent. Once you break that cycle of inconsistency in their their life, they're like, whoa, what's going on? And they don't like it. Why? Because change hit them. And so they can say, oh, man, I love change, man. I don't like it when things are are average. And I I I love change, man. Just keep it inconsistent. And all of a sudden, you make things consistent. They're like, whoa. Why? Because nobody likes change. And so those fears are created in our life. But I believe that, honestly, as we sit here tonight, if we could overcome some of those fears in our life, that really you're just one choice away from obtaining the dream that God has for you. I believe that you're just one choice away from getting into that greater relationship with Jesus Christ. Or maybe you have a wonderful relationship with Jesus Christ. You're just one choice away from man fulfilling that, that financial dream or fulfilling that relational dream or fulfilling that, that ministry dream. Whatever it is, you're just one choice away, but there's something holding you back. And if it's not the fact that you don't know how to make good choices, maybe it's fear. Maybe it's fear. And tonight, we read a story right here, right out of the Bible, about a woman who had to overcome some fears. And I believe they're the same fears that you and I have to overcome in order to get to the other side and get out of that valley. Are you with me tonight? So that dream, I believe, as you overcome these fears is right there. Mark chapter 5 paints paints a picture uh, about a man who came looking for some answers. His daughter was dead. His daughter at this point is at the point of death. But as you read on, you realize she dies. She passes away and and he comes solely for Jesus because he wants Jesus to come and touch his daughter. In the process of Jesus going on his journey to touch this young lady, another story occurs. And that's the story that I want to look at tonight. There's a story of a woman who had an issue going on in her life for a long time. The Bible says for 12 years, this woman had an issue of blood. She had issues in her life. She had some internal things going on. This was not just like it had been happening for a little bit, 12 years. That's a long time in the valley. Are you with me tonight? That's a long time of of having to sit there, okay, and be in that valley and not see to the other side. But I believe she had to overcome some fears, and we're going to look at them real quickly. Number one, some of the fears she had to overcome and some of the fears we have to overcome. The fear is this. Number one, the fear that we messed up before so we might mess up again. I've done this before, and I blew it, I messed up, and so I'm afraid to step out and do it again, because guess what? I might blow it again. People that start businesses, people that start churches, people that start relationships. Okay? Let's just talk relationships for a minute. I mean, most of us sitting here right now have been in at least one relationship. Whether it started in junior high High school, college, whatever. But as that one relationship, let's just take it later on in life. Let's take the college years and and you're getting into that season of where, man, marriage is there. I know things are happening later in life now and people are getting married like when they're 60. But you're in that season where you're looking and someone's looking and, man, I want to get married and all that. But all of a sudden now you can base your decisions and choices on past mistakes, on past relationships. But because you blew it, or they blew it, or it just didn't work out. But one thing you have to overcome is you have to overcome that fear. You have to overcome the fear that if I step out, it might happen again. Look at this woman's situation real quickly in the Bible. She did her part to go to Jesus in spite of the past. The Bible says here that she went to many physicians. She went to a lot of doctors. Okay? And here's the tragic part. It didn't help. But not only did it not help her, the Bible says that her situation actually got worse. Verse 25 and 26. And there was a woman who had a discharge of blood for 12 years, long time in the valley, who had suffered much under many physicians and had spent all that she had and was not better, but rather grew worse. Wow. But here she is, she's got to step out again. Now, it probably took every ounce of energy and everything she had within her to get out there. Are you with me tonight? I don't know what your choice is or what your decision is or what valley you're in. But there is a fear that will try to come up on you and say, and it's the devil whispering in your ear saying, look, man, you've already tried that road. You've already went down that road. Don't go again. You're just going to fail. But remember what we talked about last week. If you don't succeed the first time, try. Try again, are you with me tonight? And so that fear will try to come on that fear, tried to come on her. But we see here that she bypassed that fear and said, look, I know for 12 years now I've suffered by physicians. I've, I've wasted all my money, but I've heard about Jesus. And if I could just get to him, maybe there's some hope for me. Maybe it's not a relational thing. You know, there's a lot of people that I've discovered as we've been starting this church, there's a lot of people out there. Matter of fact, there's more people than not that have been to church at one point in their life. As you talk to people and you ask them, where do you go to church? Well, I don't go to church now, but I used to go. You ever heard that one before? I used, and If we just cut off the, situa- uh, the, the conversation right there, we don't understand anything. But as you begin to talk to them, this is what I've realized. As you begin to talk to them, there's a reason why they left. It's never just because, I uh, just, you know, I don't know. Just... No, they always have a reason. And if you listen to them long enough, they'll give the reason. Now check this out. We have got to build a church culture that invites people back. We have got to build the church culture. I'm not talking about urban. I'm talking about the body of Christ. We have got to build a culture where church is not about what happens inside the building, where church is not about the worship. Church is not about the pastor. Church is not about what goes into the offering bucket. Church is not about how many times I showed up to church this week. No, that's not that. That's what church has become. But we have got to build a culture that says church is all the time. When I sit with somebody at coffee, I'm having church. When I'm working with my friends, I'm having church. Why? Because church is not an institution. Church is us. Are you with me tonight? And I guarantee you this. People did not leave church because of the worship 90% of the time. People did not leave church because, well, that, that, that woman was mean to my daughter in Sunday school. People left church for legitimate purposes or legitimate reasons. And I believe this. I believe this so strongly. Church is not... Listen to me tonight because I want you to catch this because we've got to build this culture because we've got to build a culture that brings people back in where they feel comfortable overcoming that fear. Well, I've been to church before. But man, I, I've tried church. I tried this church. I tried that church. I tried this church. I tried that church. And now they're afraid to go back to church because it's just going to be like the other church. Okay? Now listen to me. I'm not talking about urban. We're not special. We're not, we're not separating ourselves from all the other churches. I'm talking about the body of Christ. But we have got to begin to build a culture inside church that says, look, I'm here to give to you. Not you're here to give to urban urban's here to give to you because we believe the principle give and it will be given back, pressed down, shaken together and running all over. And I believe this with all my heart. If we build that culture where we are giving to people now, I'm here to help you fulfill your dream. And I mean it, I am here to help you fulfill your dream. Uh, whatever I can do, whatever's within my power, I'll help you fulfill your dream. Because I'm here to give to you. Are you with me tonight? And I believe that as we build that church culture, people are going to begin to make the choice to overcome that fear that says, man, I've tried that. Are you with me tonight? Are you hearing what I'm saying tonight? I need like a cup of coffee. I'm just feeling it tonight. Hmm. The fear of we messed up before, so we might, we might mess up again. This woman had to overcome that fear. We have one bad experience sometimes and we make a judgment call on all experiences. But I'm telling you, we have to overcome that fear. Let me just tell you this right now. I wouldn't be married today if I wouldn't have overcame that fear. I dated a girl for three and a half years. It's a long time to date somebody. Dating. Dating. And I finally realized I was about 19 years old. Yes, it started young, 16. It was whatever, okay? Get over it, people. Leave me alone. You got growing issues, okay? Um, And we started dating at the age of 16, but uh, we dated for three, almost three and a half years, and it finally dawned on me that I do not want to marry this person. I wasted three and a half years of my life. I'm just being real with you, okay? Literally wasted. I mean, when I got out of that relationship, I went and tried to find my friends and I couldn't find them anymore. Like, hey, where'd you guys all go? Like, dude, we've been waiting for you for three and a half years. <laughs> Literally, it was my world. It was my life. And what happened was this is we were sitting there one day and all of a sudden she was, she was being very abusively aggressive towards me. And I know I look like a big macho man, but I'm just a gentle teddy bear on the inside, okay? And she was like being very aggressive. And it was hurting my, who I am. And so all of a sudden it hit me and it's just like, did you want to be married to this person? Because how it is now, because here's what I've realized. Marriage will magnify things. I've been married for almost 12 years now. And I realized, now I thought my wife was perfect before. Now that I'm married, I realize she's really perfect. It just magnified that perfection. <laughs> but it'll magnify things. I was thinking, if this is happening now, my God, what's going to happen when we get married? I'm going to wake up with black eyes and stuff, you know? The abusive woman, you know? And it hit me, and these are the words I said, because my my brother ended up having a divorce. And Jesus spoke to me at that moment and said, if you marry this girl, you're going to end up just like your oldest brother. And at that moment, literally, boom, broke out. Three and a half years, I wish I could just say, it was like, you know, hey, see you later, you know, going to McDonald's, you know. Um, It wasn't that easy, but we we broke that thing off. But listen to me, if I would have based my next relationships on that, I would never be married. Are you with me tonight? Just because you've dated, you know, 35 times and you haven't found the right one? Maybe there's a common denominator. <laughs> you, but um, you know, maybe adjust some things in your life, you know, figure it out, and then you know get married. Number two. Fears you gotta overcome. Number two, we fear the unknown or change. We fear the unknown. Or change. Listen to me. This woman did not focus on all the what ifs. She had to press through the crowd. Now, we're going to understand in just a minute that by law, she was not allowed to be in the crowd because she was unclean. She was supposed to be tucked away somewhere. Just get get over there. Get away from us because blood was coming out. She was not meant to be around the crowd. Okay? if she would have focused on all the what ifs. Well, what if I get caught? What if they find me? They're going to beat me. They're going to stop. What she did could actually be punishable by death. So this was a risk she took. But she didn't focus on the what ifs. And I believe this is one of the areas, listen to me now, where we really, really get caught. We get so focused on the what ifs. And I'm not talking about the good what ifs. I'm talking about the bad what ifs. If I start this church, what if nobody shows up? Thank you for showing up tonight. If we say yes to on Broadway and we got to pay 1400 bucks a week and to meet there, what happens if 1400 bucks a week don't come in? Hopefully you gave tonight. (laughs) Okay. There's a lot of what ifs I could have focused on. You know, what if me and my wife step out in faith and and absolutely nobody comes and helps out? Just me and my six-year-old, my four-year-old, my wife. Wow. There's a lot of what ifs. But I didn't focus on my God. I didn't focus on the what ifs. I focused on the possibilities. I focused on my God. If we step out, think about all the people that could be saved. Think about all the lives we could touch think about all the dreams that could be realized think about all the people we could help think about as urban grows and we gain influence that it's not just 40 or 50 or 60 of us but now there's hundreds of us and we're not just urban on a Sunday night we're urban all the time we're helping people achieve their dreams and I focused on the possibilities not the negative what ifs there's enough negatives in the world I don't need to add my own ladies and gentlemen. Listen, there's enough negatives in your life, but don't focus on those. Listen to me. I believe this so strongly that probably this is one of the greatest ones. We focus so long on the negatives and what. and and, ah, This one really gets me. You talk to somebody about your dream. Okay? And you tell them about your dream. And then they're like, yeah, but what if this happens? You're like, you flippin' dream crusher? I don't know if flippin' is Christian swearing. Forgive me, Jesus, if it is. Okay? There's enough things out there to crush your dreams than have your friends come up and be like, oh, dude, but what if this happens? I was just trying to share with you my dream. Thanks. Get out of here, Satan. You know, I mean, we all have those people and sometimes I just want to slap them. Are you with me? The one thing, you know, this is what one of the things I love most about my wife is she always looks at me and says, babe, that's a great idea. And then she goes and talks later to God, like God changed his mind. That is the stupidest thing. (laughs) You know, I know how you women work. Honestly, my wife is so great because she never crushes any dreams. And this is the coolest thing about my wife and even about the team here at Urban. When we hear something, a dream, we don't look at it and say, that's just dumb, man. That's just like, first of all, why don't you get this in order and this in order? You know what we do? we like, man, that is great. And we applaud your dream. And then we begin to get an action. How can we help that dream be fulfilled? How can we make that happen? How can we help that person get out of debt? How can we help that person in marriage? How can we help that person fulfill that ministry or this thing or that thing? That's the way my wife is. I'm more of the, the visionary, like, you know, let's, let's, let's not, let's, let's buy the biggest building in downtown San Diego. Oh, baby, that is a great dream. That is awesome. Baby steps. <laughs> she puts the pacifier in my mouth and she gets me to take baby steps. Okay. So we'll start here and then, you know, we'll buy places, you know, whatever. But those what ifs, you cannot focus on the what ifs. If this woman would have focused on the what ifs, she would be dead. Listen to me. The minute you start to focus on the what ifs, you begin to kill your dream. The minute you begin to focus on the what ifs, you begin to kill your walk with God. God is not a God of what ifs. He's a God of Possibilities. He is not a God that that comes along and says, oh, man, if you do that, then this is no. If you read your Bible with the right perspective and the right understanding, you realize that God's dream for your life is bigger than your dream for your life. If you read your Bible and you you look at it with the right perspective, you understand that God has a massive, awesome plan for you and he's lined up everything for you to fulfill. He's just waiting for you to take the step of faith and focus on all the possibilities. Those are the things that you and I need to focus on are the possibilities. My wife and I took a trip to Puerto Vallarta. And uh, I don't know if I'm saying it right. Joey's makes fun of me. Puerto Vallarta, Puerto Vallarta. Anyway, PV. OK, we went to PV. And went to PV and we went to PV. Uh, we, we, had, we had, uh, It was for our 10 year anniversary. So a year and a half ago, and some people blessed us and bought us a plane ticket and hooked us up with this uh, resort, and, uh, and we could have picked from any of these resorts, and I saw this one that I really wanted because it looked really nice, and I was like, I kind of want that one. They're like, no, that one, you want the one right, like, close to all the shopping and all this stuff, and I'm like, okay, you've been there a million times, I'll take your advice. So we get there, and, and we're kind of in the ghetto, Okay. And so we get there, and this was not the dream 10-year anniversary, you know, that I dreamed of. And I'm kind of like, you know, we get there, and I'm i making the best of it, because I'm looking at the possibilities. Okay? And I'm like, well, this is great. Look, it's got a kitchen. Ignore the roaches, okay? It's beautiful, you know? Microwave, sink, and this is awesome. Oh, look, a television. You know? This is great, you know? And I look at my wife's face, and she's Guy, oh, yeah, this is great. And I'm like, you know? 10-year anniversary, right? And so, I'm just like, okay, I've got to figure out something. I've got to make a choice right now, you know. My wife ain't happy, okay. And so, um, I went and I met with a person. I said, look, you guys have the other resort. Yes, matter of fact, we're setting you up. You can go out there and take a tour of it. And I was like, I don't want to take a tour of it. I want to stay at it. Like, well, yeah, actually, we can, we can. let me just check. Yeah, there's openings. We can transfer you out there if you want. Like, are you serious? Yeah, there's just a $250 transfer fee. And I'm like, Okay. We're not going to eat this week, but, you know, this will be staying someplace nice, you know. So they, they line us say, OK, here's what we want to do. Let's stay here for two days so we can tell the people that blessed us with the place to stay that, Oh, yeah, the place you stay is awesome, you know. So we stayed there for two days, did some shopping in town. And then we got out to this place. And when we went and visited this place, we brought our bags with us and said, we ain't leaving. OK. And so we loaded up all of our bags. And we got out. This place was absolutely gorgeous. It was beautiful. And we got out of our subpar little, you know, ghetto into this beautiful resort that we're going back to again, praise Jesus, someday. But you know what? If I never would have been willing to count the cost of $250, we would have never got there. I had to make a choice. Is $250 worth that? You know, I realized something. The only way out of a subpar situation is just making a choice, counting the cost. The only way out of a subpar relationship is like, you know, I make a choice, count the cost. The only lot out of subpar living is as you begin to count the cost, make the choice, get over your fear of change. Are you with me tonight? Number three. And we're going to close here real quickly. Number three. Fear. You've got to overcome the fear of what others might think. Now, I know that probably nobody deals with peer pressure. You know, we think we grow out of that. No, we don't. We never grow out of it. Okay. Peer pressure is huge. It starts at such a young age. Well, I, don't want to dis- I didn't want to disappoint you, Dad, so I... Well, I didn't want to disappoint the teacher, so I, well, I didn't want to look dumb in front of my friends, so I, and that grows with you and grows with you. But if you want to make good choices, you've got to overcome the fear of what others might think. This woman, now listen to me tonight. We just, we just mentioned it. She had to overcome what others might think of her. She wasn't supposed to be out in public. She wasn't supposed to be in that place. But she had to overcome that fear in her life. And she said, man, the only way for me to be healed is to press through the crowd that could accuse me, that could abuse me, that could stone me, that could put me to death. i got to press through that crowd to get to my dream, to get to my answer, to get to my hope, to get to my healing, to get to my salvation, to get to my answer. But if she would have focused, are you with me tonight? On what others might think, she would have never been there. As we build... Our life with Jesus Christ, you cannot base it on what others think. As we build urban, we cannot base it on what others think. We have got to be obedient to what God is calling us to do. And you have to be obedient to what God is calling you to do. And as you are obedient to that, not worrying about what others think, God's going to bless you. He's going to reward you. He's going to prosper you. Look at this. The woman got healed. The Bible says, May her faith, in stepping out. Did you know that the antithesis of, of fear is faith? The Bible says in First Timothy that God has not given us a spirit of fear. The actual literal translation is God has not given us a spirit of faithlessness. But of power, love and a sound mind. God has equipped you. You just got to step out and make that choice and overcome what others might think. If she would have stopped, she wouldn't be healed today. Because of what others might think. I remember when I, when I first started dating Katie. Actually, we weren't quite dating yet, but we were just friends. And I invited her to church because she wasn't saved. I actually led her to Christ. I'll tell that story another time. But I remember I was attracted to her because I thought she was hot. Okay. I know I'd like to say, man, she had a great personality and, you know, solid character. She was hot. Okay. And so I, I wanted, you know, I want to get to know her. So I invited her to the church. And I remember I was so nervous that first time she came. She had never been to church before. And I invited her to church and she came. And I, I remember thinking to myself, okay, am I going to just worship God like I normally do? Or am I going to tone it down a little bit? Am I just going to stand there and be like, yeah, that's a cool song. Yeah. And I made the decision, no, forget that. I'm going to worship God with everything I have within me. I flexed a little bit as I raised my arms. But good thing I was wearing my muscle shirt that day typically don't do that, but I figured, hey, I'm going to raise my hands, you know. But I decided I'm going to worship God with everything I had within me. And then she married me. Just worship God. Flex a little bit. You'll get the lady. I raised my hands. I worship God. See, a lot of, I realize this. A lot of times we'll do what's socially acceptable, but not biblically acceptable. Because whatever others might think. We do the socially acceptable thing rather than the biblically acceptable thing. Let's just take, for instance, right now, uh, the the big controversy with Prop 8. Oh, he's going to talk about Prop 8. As a believer, as a Christ follower, as someone that has founded their, their, their existence on this book, you had to vote yes on Prop 8. But a lot of people... A lot of believers chose to do what was socially acceptable rather than biblically acceptable. But I'm telling you tonight, Urban will never back down from a biblical standpoint. We will never back down. We will never give up. We will continue to pave the path of righteousness according to the word of God. And we will do our best to do what's biblically acceptable, not socially acceptable. Do we love you? Yes, we love people. Everyone's welcome here. But we've got to stand for truth. And for righteousness. Are you with me tonight? As you're making your decisions, don't do what's socially acceptable. Do what's biblically acceptable. And this woman had to step through the crowd and forget about what others might think lastly. Number four, and here we close. We fear we might fail. Get over it. You're going to fail. So don't worry about it. It's going to happen. You're going to fail at least once in your life. But every great person, not just in the kingdom of God, but every great person that's alive today has failed. What ticks me off is when I hear about uh, Donald Trump and how many times he's declared bankruptcy. That's not fair. It's like three times he's declared bankruptcy, but he's a billionaire. It's just not right. But it shows me this, that every great person has failed. As a matter of fact, listen to me tonight. It's how you respond to your failures that make you great. It's easy to act like joyful when everything's together. But listen to it. that Joy does not come because everything's together. My joy comes from the Lord. And the Lord is with me whether I have everything together or not. Because the Bible tells me that if I'm to live like hell or make my bed in the pit of hell, guess what? He's still there with me. Does your Bible say that? Which tells me this, it doesn't matter how I live, God's goodness is still there. My joy is not dependent upon what the economy is doing, it's not dependent on what I'm doing tonight, it's not even dependent on how many people show up to urban. Do we want urban to grow? Yes. Do we want people to get saved? Absolutely. But guess what? I'm still going to heaven, I still got a beautiful wife, I still got two beautiful kids, and a little poodle named Angel. That's joy. <laughs> You're going to fail. We've got to get over the fear of failure. You've got to get over it. If this woman would have solely looked at that, that whole failing issue, she was already a failure. She wasn't socially acceptable. She wasn't spiritually acceptable. She wasn't supposed to be in a crowd. She had suffered many things by the hands of doctors. This woman knew what it was to fail. But she got over it. And she counted the cost and she stepped out. You will never know how great your life can be until you step out. You will never know how awesome God is until you step out. You'll never know how big your dream is until you step out. You've got to overcome fear. Have I been down this road before? You've got to overcome the fear of change. Change. You've got to overcome the fear of what others might think, and you've got to overcome the fear of failure. I don't know about you, but at the end of my life, I don't want to be sitting there saying, now what if we would have done this? I'd rather sit at the end of my life saying, remember when we tried that? Big difference. Do you remember when we stepped out and we tried that? Yeah, that was awesome. didn't work, but we had fun doing it. Rather than sitting there at the end of your life thinking, yeah, we, we, we should have done that. We, we, we should have tried that. Overcome your fear of failure. Act on your choices, your decisions. Dreams not coupled with action never become bigger than the brain cells they occupy. Dreams not coupled with your choices never become bigger. Than the dream cells, or excuse me, the brain cells they occupy. You've got the stuff. You have a dream, step out. God is good, He'll provide.